Hello, everybody. This is Tyler. This is Danny. And this is Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. This week will be Angst. Angst? Angst. <laughs> but before we get there, we should get to the getting stoned part. Get to our green hits. Danny, what is this, Jay, that you brought for me today? Awesome. Once again, shouldn't be a surprise. Stopped by Flower a little earlier in the week and picked up a six-pack of their biscotti pancakes. I think this is a strain we've brought over maybe once or twice before. But once again, for those who are not familiar, this is a strain that is created using two sweet-tasting strains from the legendary breeder Cookies, and those are biscotti and pancakes. So, <laughs> hence the name. But... As far as this goes, it says the nose of the strain is sweet like syrup or frosting, right? Coupled by a rich fuel aroma. It says the uh, the high can start off a little bit euphoric, lifted up mood, and a uh, little bit of boost of mental energy. So with that being said, the, the terpene profile, I looked it up, and you're going to get some cinnamon, lemon, and lavender notes, hence why it's high in karyophyllene lemonine and linalool and the total terpenes over at flower are 1.7%. The total cannabinoids come in at about 21.3%. So for a sativa dominant hybrid, not a bad numbers. If you tend to look it up, it shows that it's an indica dominant hybrid typically, but once again, because this is flower, they tend to, to cross it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> yeah, I've had this before. I like it. Like I said, it's pretty uh, right down the middle. Oh yeah. This time, the most talked about strain on our show brought you just the tip. Montana Silver <laughs> yeah. Tip, Cross of Granddaddy Perps, and Super Silver Haze, in my opinion, marries the best aspects of both Indica and Sativa. Tends to be right down the middle. This batch is testing at 26.8% in total cannabinoids, with the 1 point, I will say 1.6% terps. It, it's, it's just a hair Close under. enough, right? With the top three of those being limonene, pinene, and linalool. And I think, as, as we've talked about before, it, it somehow always has a little bit of a berry to it. Yeah, and I like that, too. That's what I got. So, I mean, like I said, I think it's the most talked about strain on our show at this point. So, <laughs> Hey, it reigns supreme, right? That's right. We just want to remind everybody to go check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash fried squirms. The lowest level you could listen to this last week. At the highest level, you got the Discord. I personally think the sweet spot is right in the middle. You get that week early, but then you also start oh, getting man. those Patreon-only episodes. And those episodes have been really fun. They really have been. We've been doing some lookbacks, going back through our catalog from the beginning. Some of these movies we haven't watched in years. It's almost like getting fresh eyes on them with how much weed we smoke. <laughs> yeah, or reglazed eyes, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah I don't mind. So, patreon.com slash fried squirms. And that's, that's it for all of this, right? So, I think we're going to get into the guts and bolts of angst, and we're going to go there. <laughs> guts and bolts. All right, guts and bolts for angst who and what went into the making of this flick spoiler free spoiler free setup for this movie a killer he's not a serial killer at the not, point that he gets put in the prison right okay a killer gets released from prison and he probably shouldn't have been spoiler free <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah there's definitely that <laughs> So, but no, I, I like that uh, without going into spoilers, all that fun stuff. And of course, 
you know, we like to talk about our cast and crew from week to week. And this week we've got a gentleman who is not only a director, he's a writer, he's also a producer on this, and this is his only film of note, and that is Garrett Cargill. And part of the reason why, and this is not a spoiler, it's just because of because of this film's reputation, he kind of wasn't allowed per se to do any other films beyond this. <laughs> like they're like, nah, we're not gonna do we're not gonna fund you. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But his writing partner on this, who's also the cinematographer and editor, is Zbigniew Rybzinski. And he's known as far as his writing, he helped on the orchestra. His cinematography includes such things as The Dancing Hawk. He worked on the orchestra. He also did a film called Trapped. I mentioned he's an editor. He's known for some music videos, which is really cool because he also directs music videos. But a few of those are The Art of Noises, close to the edit music video. He also helped on Yoko Ono's Hell in Paradise music video, the band Simple Minds, All the Things She Said music video. He also helped oh. on Lou Reed's The Original Rapper. Now, rapper spelled W-R-A-P-P-E-R. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course, Lou Reed, of course. And also, shouldn't be a surprise, the orchestra. All right, music on this was composed by Klaus Scholz. A few things of note from him, he actually composed a song, I think two songs for Dune back in 79, which is interesting. Oh, He's also noted for the films Barracuda, the film Next of Kin, and Mirror of the Planet. All right, I did mention that Garrett Cargill is a producer along with Joseph Reitengerlaska. Production company on this is <laughs> Gerald Cargill. <laughs> it's uh, kind of neat. Distributor on this was Le Film Jacques Letienne for the 1986 France theatrical release. And it had a release date back in 1983. It didn't specify, but it, it was a part of a short-lived Austrian film tour. Okay. Right. So, moving into our cast, I'm going to lead off with a gentleman we've actually talked about before, and this is Erwin Leder, plays the role of K in the film. Now, we talked about him not too long ago, but back on episode 292, when we talked about Underworld, where he played Singe. That's right. Yeah, he was also in the film Das Boot. You might have seen him in the 1990s, The Three Musketeers. He was also in Schindler's List in the film Taxidermia. Now, this is going to be really simple, because everybody I'm about to mention from here on out, this is really, literally their only credit. So, Sylvia Ryder, she plays the role of the daughter in this film. Karen Springer actually voices, so it's like a dubbed version, I suppose, of yeah. her voice. Right? We have Edith Rosset, plays the mother. Now, she is voiced by Josephine Lakatha. And we have Rudolf Goetz, plays the role of the son. Didn't need a dubbing or anything like that. So, yeah, that's our cast and crew. You gave us... A very brief <laughs> setup. Should give some warnings. Graphic violence? Yes. Frank discussions of killing humans and animals. Right. I mean, you could say it's in, in graphic detail, in, mm -hmm. in a sense. There's some necro stuff going. Yeah. It's not very explicit. No, but it's definitely there. It's definitely there. It's definitely mentioned as well, or it's it not it's outright mentioned, but it's alluded to. I think it's enough to, to be like, yeah, you, you know, yeah, what, you know what he's talking about. <laughs> like it's there, but but yeah, I mean, it's if you follow us, it's a kind of like in a very fractional sense of. I mean, it, you, it's more implicit than anything. Yeah, yeah, I think that's about. I mean, language. Probably. Yeah, some language. Like I said, it's more violent than anything. Some, you know, some decent gore, if you want to call that. I can't really think of much else. No, I mean, there's some violence towards the elderly and special needs, if you want to oh, yeah. go that route. 
Yeah. But the dog's okay. Yeah, surprisingly. So, <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Let's just get into it. Talk about some angst. Oh, and find out how it made us squeal. <laughs> how does that make you squeal? All right, new block, Danny. Serial killer focused, for the most part. Yeah, I right? think so. Are they all serial killers? Did we do our job right? I believe so. I believe so. And, and if not, it's like, it still fits the bill because... Even if you don't look at it this way, slasher still kind of yeah technically. Yeah. But we didn't want to go full on slashers no, either. No, 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 no. So this is the closest will be next week. I believe so. Right. I believe so. Yeah. In this block, yes. Mm-hmm. So, angst to start off. Another movie I would say probably mostly known by reputation. I would agree. I'm curious already. Like, do you have more details on the the director being blacklisted basically because of this? Oh. Not that, like since you brought it up, like yeah, it's it's not like it was a uh, crusade or anything like mm-hmm. that. More or less because of the content of the film, and because it was given an eighteen plus certification, and you've already alluded to it, its reputation. Now we've also talked about this a while back on more than one episode, but we talked about the video nasties and things like that, right? right? So this film got banned in a lot of European countries now. I believe it was Austria and Germany did distribute this film. And there was a few countries, you know, that picked it up a little bit later on. But more or less, it was known for its reputation. Uh, and we should point out, this is not not to be confused with German angst. Right, exactly. a completely exactly. different movie. Yes, which is much later on. But this is angst in German, but it's an Austrian film. Yes. My first time with the movie... I've seen this once before. It wasn't very long ago, I want to say, like, within the last two, maybe three years tops. And mainly because I wanted to know. It was, like, one of those films because of its reputation and because I didn't really give it a lot of thought prior. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's available. Let me check it out. And it's yeah, not a very not? long watch. No. Like, it's under an seven hour minutes, half, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, I can, I can do that. So anyway, long story short, I've seen this once prior and it did leave an impression on me where i was like oh okay this will be interesting to talk down the road yeah um first my short take is like i liked it good movie yeah i agree don't know how many more times i'll watch it but i'll get into that i understand my hot take for this movie because i have one yeah no i like this despite its reputation and the fact that anytime like i was you know just looking through like just random reviews and shit online. And everyone basically says the same thing, all alluding to like how kind of mean it is. And you get inside this mind of this psychopathic killer and it's so raw and gripping and this or that. My hot take is it's kind of boring, but that turns it into kind of a really good dark comedy. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad you said that because in my notes, we'll talk about it. I was like, that can be heavily overshadowed because of what you just alluded to right right then and there. Is, Nobody talks about the comedy aspect I of this totally movie. I totally agree, man. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I was not the only one who picked up on that. Dude, like, most of the reviews I read for this movie should be talking about Henry. Yeah, absolutely, man. This movie is like the realistic Henry. Yeah. This the dude's is... a fucking buffoon. This whole movie is a comedy of errors. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't call it a satire or anything like that, but it, if you really are picking up on that, it's like you're 
not only getting to see him, you know, do some really fucked up shit, but because of the comedy of errors and mistakes and you get to witness them as it's happening, it makes it, in a sense, more realistic. It does. It's, it's almost pure dumb luck that his plan to get thrown back in prison works in the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which, yeah, this film was interesting in that regard. And probably because of the time period it came out, too. And this is, might be speculation on my part, but because of, I feel, maybe the Germans' quote-unquote lack of humor or sense of humor, that's probably why it does get overlooked. Because it, it's, like it's there. I honestly, like, I feel like, and I think you'd agree with me, especially as we've been doing this more and more, we're not necessarily, we're not professional critics. We don't get paid for this. But at a certain point, a lot of our reviews tend to line up with a lot of like the bigger name critics. Yeah. Because we've seen enough movies to think of movies in the same way that they tend to. I think so. It's like, I think after a while you start to pick up on, like I said, more of those, those finer details in the film. It, it goes beyond just what you're witnessing, and it goes more like technical, whether it's on you know, writing, editing, music, what have you. You start to pick up more on that kind of stuff. I feel like they all have their fucking heads up their asses on this movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, no fucking there, joke. There, there tends to be like, ooh, I... I, I feel I, like they're <laughs> trying to elevate it because it's European which is something we've talked about in the past with like grindhouse movies versus Euro art from the seventies. Right. And I I think that's a good point of looking at that too, because maybe from an American, you know, reviewers standpoint, we not, we might not pick up on, like I said, the the comedic aspects of European humor and it becomes maybe a little bit more transgressive than we tend to make it, you know? And it's like, I, I, I get it. But once again, it's like it, can't believe that I've, I've listened to and looked at several reviews and once again it's like some of that dark humor is lost on these people yeah it's either that or they're getting way too caught up in yeah. the violence against women and the handicapped yeah as like that's just which isn't the point of this no movie. of course not it's all right because we're already in this section right and since we're already talking about this it it's not a <laughs> it's not a secret right that this is based on uh, the real-life crimes of Werner Nysik, right? And if you read all the details about his crime and the family, it's like, oh, yeah, this film is portraying that, right? Maybe not, you know, detailed, for detail, but pretty fucking close. And it's also loosely based on some of the confessions of Peter Curtin, which I was surprised that Zach came in here and just name-dropped that. I'm like, what the fuck? Bro, okay, so Zach doesn't get down on horror shit, that, by the way, we're talking about friend of the show, Zach. He's been on a couple episodes. Yeah, Swamp Thing. If, if y'all have like listened, that. you know who we're talking about. I do a bunch of shows with him yeah. on the network. He might not get down on horror shit like we do. He listens to so many fucking, like, serial killer fucking podcasts. That's awesome. <laughs> but it's adjacent. He knows that shit, like, backwards and forwards. It's ridiculous. That's interesting. I mean, now that we're here to talk about that, but I do find that kind of interesting that... You know, people are able to listen to the details and the graphic nature of real life crimes. But when you put them in front of a horror movie, they get squeamish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is make believe. <laughs> <laughs> anywho, anywho, back to this though. What I'm getting at is because of those two killers specifically, 
it starts to make more sense of like what's going on in this film. You know, what he's right. doing, why he's doing what he's doing. And because I once again, the humor, the dark humor in this too, you you will like you said, you get to see him become a buffoon and like make these mistakes and try to rationalize things and you know, shit like that. I'm pretty positive he bats zero percent in this movie. Arguably <laughs> yeah. until the end. Like every time right. he mentions in his fucking voiceover the plan that he has, it goes wrong. Oh yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And like it's from the get go. He's like, he comes out of prison. And he's like, I have a concrete plan. I just need to know where to find people. I don't know where to do that. I don't know this city. <laughs> and at that point, I was like, oh my god, is this a dark comedy? And it never lets up through this fucking movie. No. You know, it never fucking lets up. Every time he's like, this is perfect. I'm going to do this. No, one time. Okay. The one time his plan worked is yes, because of where the house was situated, nobody was going to hear them. That's his pure coincidence because of he was trying to commit a, a crime before that and he had to run out of necessity. Yeah. And this is he's near, terrible at it. Right. It, it's just a mere coincidence. <laughs> you know, it's like, in a sense, it, it to me, it feels like he's, in his own mind, a false prophet. Like, he's, mm -hmm. like I said, he's, all right, I'm going to do this. I want this. I need, and then these things start to come, quote, unquote, to fruition to him. And so, you know, it, it was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of how it's meant to be. And I get to I, play this out. I brought it up once. I'm sure I will again before this is done because I feel like it's the movie that this is closest to. This is kind of like real Henry. Yeah, I would agree. There was there's one more film, not to not to interrupt, but there's one other film I felt like, man, this I don't um, know if people picked man up Bites on, Dog. Yeah, heavily, like heavily because of situational stuff, a little mm -hmm. satire, a little bit. This is like the real version of those two movies. Something about Man Bites Dog always felt just a touch surreal, right? Absolutely. And Henry, we talked at length about how like Henry probably killed some people. But Probably no. didn't kill very many people. No. Definitely didn't kill the amount that they put on him. But the movie is like, what if he was somebody that could do all of that? Absolutely. And I think that's what makes it like, ooh, you know, more transgressive in that sense. And this is a guy where it's like, he's trying to be Henry. <laughs> yeah. But we get to see what actually happens when he tries to kill. Exactly. It's like this. Guy and that's is... where the humor comes in. That's and I, I don't know where people are missing that because he tells you the entire time what his fucking plans are. And right. he is constantly failing at everything he tries to do. <laughs> I mean, that's what more can you say, man? What I found interesting was, you know, after watching the film and then trying to glean a little bit more information on, you know, like I said, what mm -hmm. people think of it. Just, you know, just kind of get a, a general idea of, like I said, the mood for this film. And what I found interesting, not necessarily, but what I found interesting is Gaspar Noé talking about the French version of it. He really likes the dubbed. He says, you know, mm. you kind of get more of a sense of like this dreamlike state that this guy is in, you know, because the title in, in French translates to schizophrenia. Oh, and that's okay. the title it gets. And it's like that for him, if, he said it makes more sense of like you said, why it's so fragmented. Well, I was going to say like this movie is one of those ones where it's it's as arty as you want to make it. I would agree. Because there's, based on his mind state, based on the fact that from the get-go, he's definitely an unreliable narrator. 
and we can get more into that <laughs> and what that might mean for this movie at yeah. some point here. But pretty much any time he gets into a situation or out of a situation, he basically ends up in the woods, which is <laughs> could very easily just step in for his mind state. He's just not taking in shit. He's blind to the world because he's in this yeah, mania, basically, until he hones in on this next victim or this next bit. Right. And then you get that set piece opening up. Yeah. What, which I thought was really interesting. The way that I looked at this film, right. And the way I'm viewing it is even the opening, like production, blah, blah, blah. It's already starting off with like this kind of a little bit of dissonance. You, you're always hearing these sounds. Mm-hmm. So it adds to that angst that, you know, anxiety and, Whatnot. So yeah, of course, this is kind of what this guy's feeling like. Because he's not reliable. He's not a steady person. He lets you know what's going on. And yeah, the times where he's like honing in, there's like a there's moments of clarity. But he's not. He's not good at what he's doing. No. You know. No, no, he's not good at what he's doing. Okay. From the get go, he lets you know that he's not good at what he's doing because he didn't successfully kill his mom. No, and that's that's just it. Like you've already said that, and which is like that's, very clever. That's the fucking opening statement for this movie: is that this guy's a failure. Yes, but I can understand, in a sense, like if I'm going to be a devil's advocate, why people probably miss that the mark. It's because of of what he says is not necessarily what happened. It's more like, you know, I saw the fear in her eyes and knife in her chest. It's like, ooh, that's a grim image. But you're right; he didn't. He people didn't succeed. Are, and here, yeah, I agree. People are latching on to how unrepentant he is, how just matter of fact he makes all these confessions that he makes because we don't have time to get into them all. He's no. constantly fucking talking about all this different shit. And it seemed like they're accomplishments in a sense to him. Mm-hmm. But once again, there's some that he's definitely lying about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I believe his parents probably were abusive. I kind of don't believe that, like, his stepdad would hit him and his mom and sister would both just laugh at it. Yeah, and that seems un- more unlikely, but to him, that's probably what he envisioned that was like. You know, maybe he got disciplined. Given the way that we see, the way we see how he interacts with the world and the way his um, compulsion to, to kill and to do things comes upon him, yeah. there's no way... That's that his first sexual experience happened the way that he describes no, it. I There's one hundred. That's his first victim. Yeah. No. I, I feel like you're right in in the sense that when he's doing like that inner dialogue, he's having that conversation with himself about the people who are viewing him. It's a very delusional sense because that's not. He doesn't know what these people are really feeling or you know what their attitude is toward him. He just he's projecting. Now, I feel like most of the time this movie is showing us what's actually going on. I'd say 99% of the time. I don't feel like it's a movie that's very into this action actually means this. Right, right. I don't think that's a sense either. But that 1% is I do feel like that first time he's in the coffee shop, I don't think that they're all staring at him. No, that's that's kind of I think that's more in his emotions, like his anxiety. Right, and like he already set it up like he doesn't know this setting he doesn't know this outside world because he's been inside for x amount of years you know so yeah it's gonna i be... think they all probably look at him once or right. twice but because that, that he's happens. over there eating like a fucking pig right. and, and like so that's of course that's gonna happen man yeah, yeah 
but, but I don't. Yeah, his like I said, his own anxieties, his doubts, his fears, insecurities, etc., are manifesting in his own mind. And like I said, that's where he's projecting out like what others are thinking of him. It's like nah, it's you're just acting like a fucking buffoon. Yeah, I. Like, it's weird how much of a comedy this is, because the whole movie is about him failing upwards, uh, right? Like, he yeah. keeps failing, but he keeps doing it in ways where the end result is what he wanted to get. Because I'm not wrong in the fact that he's wanting to go back to prison, right? But he's wanting to kind of do it on his terms right. by, like... And, it, and his own style and shit mm-hmm. like that, yeah. What I felt like if that's not enough, like some of the stuff and the, the contextual clues he's given you, you know, stuff like that. There's moments in this film. There's two in general for me. It's like if if you don't get the sense of humor in this film, I don't know what else to tell you. Is one is that dachshund once it gets a whole the the mother's fucking dentures, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm like, okay, that's okay. That's one moment. And as brutal as the scene is when he's chasing the daughter down that tunnel mm-hmm. or whatever, that soccer ball keeps bouncing around the scenes if you want. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> but that's just it. It's like, if if you're not paying attention, you're totally going to miss it. It's just like, it's all right, it's a soccer ball, whatever. But that's not random. That's not just a coincidence, man. It's like, they, they did that on purpose. Right. And I thought that was clever, dude. And like... That's where I'm at, and that's where I get where you're coming from, too. It's like, people are missing that, dude. They're missing the point. Yeah, it's... It's not a knock on other people. I'm just saying they're they're missing that. And yeah, exactly. It's not as serious as I think it's it's made out to be. It's like, yeah, for the time period, you can definitely view it as transgressive, but now we have time to step back and it really is transgressive. Look at it. Of course it is. It's a brutal movie. He is making startling, oh. terrible... Um, just brutal confessions yeah exactly he is truly unrepentant none of the things that all of those uh, reviews we said aren't true about this movie exactly and that's why i say i'm not knocking them for that i'm just saying there's another layer to this There's another layer exactly that's not just what this movie is precisely and it's like i think that is maybe a little bit more why it's like it's kind of funny thinking about it but listen given the time period and well We've we've talked about it on several films, you know, like some of this the general sense of how people felt, whether it was overseas or here in the states, about you know certain films. Maybe like last week, or excuse me, on the Patreon we talked about toy lines, mm-hmm. you know. But there's always an excuse like this is going to lead to violence, whether it's media, video games, blah 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 blah. You know, you add to the list, right? And then films like this, where it's like, oh. But because they're missing that extra layer, it's like ah, you're missing, you're missing the point, dude. Yeah, just, he's like, yeah, yeah, of course. But it's once again, it's actors. It's yes, it's based on a real crime. So who are you not really knocking here is just a portrayal of that. Even when you go to the most graphic scene in the movie when he kills the young oh, woman, yeah, but it's it you if you're really paying, it's over the top. Purposely. It's over the top, and not only that, like it only further <laughs> exemplifies. Sure, he successfully killed her. Right. She almost escaped because of how inept he he is in the first place. Exactly. He's so in his own head and so absent-minded of really what's going on around him. He's just fumbling into these scenarios. Like, they don't get explicit enough to say this for certain, but even when he tries to fuck her corpse, it kind of seems like he just comes early and just lays there. Right? I mean... It kind of seems like... (laughs) 
just the concept gets him excited, like yeah, and that's gets him bursting, and he doesn't actually get to do it. It's yeah, it's just the pure thought, the fantasy of this is enough for him. And as he's trying to be this badass fucking killer and slaughter her the way that he wants to, or that he suddenly wants to do it this way because she's running away, and so he has to change his plans. Yeah, exactly. He tries to revel in it by drinking her blood, only to fucking harf it back up. Yep, exactly. So even that, you're right. and look he like a fucking right. idiot. Yeah, he can't even do the drinking blood part right. Right, he can't, you know, <laughs> defile a corpse properly, if you will. Yeah, I'm not saying there's a proper way to do it. But I'm just saying, and, and contextually. So yes, dark comedy, but comedy. Yes, <laughs> it's like it's not laugh out loud like make your belly chuckle. It shouldn't really, but I'm just saying if it does, okay, I get it. You have a dark sense of humor. That's fine. But and that's the part that I think people would all agree is the worst part of this movie, right? Yes, like, absolutely. Brutal, graphic violence, yes. slaughter. Exactly, and I think too is just like so the, the way that it's filmed. I think the use of maybe that POV, you mm -hmm. know, with the body cam and stuff, the way it's shot, it's like it adds to all that 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 anxiety. I won't say fear, but anxiety and just you know dread and all that stuff. But once again, <laughs> it's like if you, if you just dig a little deeper right it's like oh there it is it's yeah it's clever man and that and then it's like i i feel so bad for that director in this sense because you know his his writing partner editor and stuff he'd gone on to do other shit which is really interesting i'll talk about that in a little bit i already kind of alluded to it earlier but i had to know that he did something like this it's still talked about you know i'm not trying to wrap it up mm -hmm. but it's just like man he was really really i think overlooked in his work man it's like yes his art house Yes, it's it's transgressive, but man, it's it's also dark humor. Yeah, and that right there is what I think for me is what cuts all that stuff. It's not that he's trying to, uh, you know, like in a sense, yes, he is punching on the nose, but he's also like, dude, like <laughs> there's humor in this. Well, and there is you let it. Yeah, there is another bit to it too, and it's what narration is being chosen over what scenes and what stories Absolutely. he's telling and stuff. He's talking about wanting to kill his stepfather and not being able to when he kills the son. Yes. Which... And it, if it, you're listening to what he's talking about, it's yeah. kind of mirroring what's going on on screen. I was going to say, it's just that. It's, it's, he's setting up these scenarios where he's, he's, he's building this backdrop of his fucked up family. And then the family that he so happens to you know home invade and abduct and all that stuff. It's mirroring. He's putting that onto right. Them. It's mirroring. He hits the eye sentiments towards those figures in his family, mm -hmm. and they happen and coincide. And I thought that was interesting. Like the, the the cripple guy in this family, that's a projection of him, but also his his sentiments towards others because he's the Ill illegitimate kid. He's looked at as the shameful one. Like all right, the daughter's out with the mom when they come home, and they left the crippled kid at home by himself mm -hmm. with no caretaker. So. In this scenario, it seems like he's the quote unquote. He's getting of the to family. kill his family, right? And he's witnessing it, and but uh, because of the other shameful nature of things and his sentiments towards, like you said, his stepdad and stuff, it's like he's got to kill that version maybe of himself or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, the, <laughs> to maybe legitimize himself, I suppose. But yeah, anywho, I thought that was clever too. The the, the use of mirroring in this this case, which is once again, this movie's just as arty as you want to make it. Right. It's all there. It, absolutely, man. Like, the shots, I can't really, like, technically, because those are some of the first things I pick up on. Score, yes. 
awesome. Oh, this score is amazing. Editing, amazing. And it's like I said, it's mostly done by just two people for the most part. And I was like, that's that's crafty as fuck. The cinematography in this, fucking. It's gorgeous. Breath, it, yeah. Gorgeous, <laughs> crazy, weird. Oh, like, yeah. there's not many films that look like this. Oh, no, and it's like, I can understand why it, it influenced so many films that kind of follow, not necessarily the same, you know, formula per se, but it, it followed in its footsteps. Mm-hmm. Like, you already mentioned it. Henry, Man Bites Dog. You can even say, like, The House that Jack Built, stuff like that. There's a few others, but those are the ones that kind of come to mind when I think about this film. And it's, you know, it's placed in history. It's placed in cinema. And I, I think that's what's really cool about visiting a film like this. You know, it reminds me, too, of, like, Schramm, in a sense. Mm. It's like, not that that one, I don't know, I'm not trying to say it's, there's a parallel, but I think it's just the way that it's told and the way that you're following, whether it's an unreliable narrator, whether you're, you know, you're essentially following this serial killer or this guy's committed these crimes against nature and shit like that. And I was like, yeah, there's a lot of transgressiveness, art house to it, you know, technical merit to it. But then there was this undercurrent, like I said, once again, of, and you've already said it too, uh, that dark humor. There's a, there was, there is comedy in that stuff. And I think that's where that, that unique marriage of comedy and horror meet. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, looking at that Venn diagram. And that's probably why I like both of those. Maybe, you know, I won't say equally, but pretty damn close, man. I, I just find that <laughs> I don't get it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And that's like I said. It's, it's unique in that sense. It's not, once again, and this isn't only a comedy. No, it's all of, of those other not. things. It's but good, why, it's but why is nobody bringing up that it's a dark comedy? That's that's where I'm like, man, we can't be the only ones picking up on that, dude. Come on now. It's like, yeah, we're not, you know, completely noobs to this or ignorant or anything like that. But it's like, once again, like you were saying, we've seen enough films where we can pick up on on some of these subtleties. And it's not a discredit to others, but it's okay to talk about it, man. If you find something funny in a film, it doesn't mean something wrong with you. It means like, sometimes it's not maybe a coincidence that it's funny. Right. I'm trying to think of any other things from this movie that really jumped out at me. You said the score. The score of this is fucking great. It really is, man. And like, so just just the way it, it opens up with that that whole sense of dread, and you hear in the footsteps, and it's like, yeah, of course, it's it's coming from, you know, K in this film, and he does a really good job of portraying all those different sentiments and his, like I said, his if this is aloofness, his situations, and his own delusions and shit like that. He did a really good job, man. Okay, so it's done to play into how inept he is. But I was bringing up before that I probably will hardly ever rewatch this movie. Yeah. And it's partially because it's kind of boring. Yeah. I want to say that there's like five minutes of him just moving bodies. Yeah. In a movie that's not even an hour and a half long. And there's, there's times, too, I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? You know what I mean? It's like... It's not cringe, but it's it's kind of like, man, he is so lost in his own delusions, man. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, what are you doing, dude? And the cinematography is awesome. Oh my gosh, it really. But is. it's not, it's not the kind of awesome where I want it just like oh, on no, in the I, background. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Because <laughs> no, it's, it's like, because like it's like weird rotating shots around him and like right. these crazy close ups that you know just really getting in, into his space and into his mental state. Oh, yeah, that's a good way of looking at that. But it's not. 
it's great if you're paying attention to the movie. Yeah. But it's not something <laughs> interesting just to have on. No, it's, it's not the crazy awesome use of colors like you might find in like an that's, Argento or that's a good any of the giallos really or I couldn't probably say better myself. <laughs> you know, right, it's not like landscapes and stuff like mm -hmm. that. No, it's right. It's just the the use of certain shots to elicit a certain emotion or a sense of whatever the character's feeling, stuff like that. And that's where it comes into play. And that's where it's like, yeah, that's fucking good. It's really good if you're really into that kind of stuff. But <laughs> I wouldn't watch it because of that. It's not because of that. It's just it happens to be like all these elements combine add to that a really cool technicality of this film. And I guess the other thing is like, maybe it'd be different if we were seeing it. And it, even then it's not like I want to watch this shit all the time, right. but the most graphic things in this movie are all just voiceover. Yeah. And I think that's kind of cool too, man. Like, which it allows you to cool. build it in your mind, but like, I don't want to be building that shit in my mind all the time. Yeah, no, I get it. Here's something. And it's, it's not that it hasn't been done before whether prior or and or after what I find interesting too, it's the voyeurism or the voyeuristic part of it because we are, you know, witnessing mm -hmm. these things. And if you follow it all the way through, it's like, no, nah, we went on the ride with them. Like we followed them all the way through. And that's where I start thinking of another Austrian filmmaker, Michael Henke. And he's more notably known for like funny games and other stuff like that. But it's, it's like, okay, we're an audience member who are willing to subject ourselves to, to, you know, to cinema and what it has to offer. But because of the nature, quote unquote, of the film, it's like you are a part of it. And I think that's where it's where it's fun and interesting. And, you know, it starts to question maybe your morality and, and your sense of uh, what reality is in a sense. You know what I mean? It's not that you have to, but I think it, it in a sense, it does challenge some of that. And that's where... For me, it's like, I know where the line is between what a film is, what a real-life crime is, and I don't want mm -hmm. to witness a real-life crime. That's why cinema, you can watch it, and yeah, there's still a sense of like, man, that's so fucked up. Uh, you know, I'd, you really probably shouldn't be watching this stuff, but it's done in a way where no one's hurt in the, in the making of all that stuff, you know? It's like, these actors and people can walk away from this after, and so can I. I can remove myself from that stuff. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, I agree with you. Like, part of this is we took the ride with them. Yeah. And that's another thing. I think that's another thing that brings some of these reviewers and people into this movie. Totally and, get it. and it hits them in a, in a much harder way because they feel like they were forced to be somewhat complicit in it. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, it doesn't necessarily mean that, but I can get where that where you come from. But even with that, I do feel like this movie in the potential symbolism and shit that we see, especially towards the end, almost gives the viewer a little bit of an out in the form <laughs> of the dog. Oh, man, that's so good that you said that. Yeah, because it's like... We're not <sighs> complicit with him. No. We're there like the dog is. Yeah, and that's I think that's a solid point, too. And nobody would say that that dog is guilty of doing this stuff no 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 it's just it, you're he right. just has it's, no power to affect the situation he's there watching it and he's uh, quote unquote you know i have to say that because it wasn't really they're not watching us they're listening is yeah he's there for the ride whether he, he wanted to be a part of it or not this is what it is mm -hmm. yeah and and that's the thing the dog shows up right about the same time that all the worst stuff is about to pop off. Yes, he has an funny. attempted murder before that, 
but there's not much like yes nah. he's kind of choking her but he's really fucking terrible at it like exactly. yes there's some violence there but not any worse what than what you would really see on tv it's when the movie's about to turn up that the dog comes into play ah uh, there's there's a little bit of and i don't want to use his name like this in this sense but it, it reminded me like a touch of the humor that that hobbit love a motherfucker likes to do like oh where yeah. you see some grotesque stuff but there's humor in it so what I'm getting at is like with uh, with Dead Alive, right? We're seeing these really gory, grotesque stuff, but there's so much humor where it dampens all that stuff. In a sense, like you said, when he chokes out the mother, and he's trying to get her in that wheelchair, and it's like this dance with her, right? And then he gets aggravated, and he fucking kicks her into the wall, and she flumps over. And mm-hmm. like, how can you not view that as like comedic? It's like he just dismisses her like that. The way that her body's just like leaned <laughs> yeah, up against like, shit at times. The fuck? It's stuff like that. He's just, it's like, how can you not sense some of the humor? And I'm not saying like it's a blight or a mark against people. It's just like, it's there, dude. Just, it, you don't Be have to dog. take it. Yeah, you don't, exactly. You don't have to take this movie as serious as, as you probably make it out to be. It doesn't have to be that serious. Yeah, just don't be Why the camera. So serious? You know don't I mean? be the camera floating around him. Be the dog. Be the dog. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at this. Yeah, because yeah, he's like, yeah, at some point you're going to pick up the dentures and you're going to laugh at this. <laughs> And then you realize how silly this shit is, mm-hmm. you know. And that's once again, that's the beauty of filmmaking and films like this. It's like, uh, yeah, it, it's worth those second, maybe third time views. Not that you have to watch them all the time, but it helps to pick up on that kind of stuff. This one was a surprising one, man. I didn't and think I'm, that it was going to be so much wrapped uh, in one package. I'm glad you, that you brought that up at the beginning too, because it's like, man, I've got it in my notes right here, and I was like, how? What? My first fucking note is he's a buffoon. Yeah. That's there the very first thing I wrote on the page. Is like it, it jumped out to me the first time through and I'm like like that that wasn't just in my head, right? No, and from not. the get go as I started watching the movie the second time through, I was like, No, this guy fucking sucks. Well see that's where the benefit of that second and for me the third time view is like, no, it, it really landed because I'm paying I'm paying more attention to that kind of stuff. Not that I'm looking for a comedy, it's like, no, it's there. Yeah, <laughs> it's not my fault. No, and that's just it. It's like, well, we're man, not saying Martyrs man, was a comedy. No, of course not, man. But we're not saying High Tension's a comedy. No, but we're not saying Henry's a comedy. Absolutely not. That's no. Make man bites more. dog. That's a little bit. <laughs> well, of course, it's it, that's you know it's meta. But another film that comes to mind when I when I think of the use of dark comedy or dark humor, right? <laughs> and it was uh, Drag Me to Hell. Uh, oh, okay. Like I was dating this gal at the time, and she had some friends who were a little bit more on the the Christian side of things, right? <laughs> and they went in, you know, open minded. And I was like, this film has dark humor in it, right? We watched it, and they came out of it, and they're like, I don't see anything funny about this film. I didn't say, I was like, I, I told them, I was like, I didn't say this is a comedy. I didn't say this, you know, it's going to make you laugh. I said, there's dark humor. <laughs> yeah. Watch the film again. Tell me there's not dark humor. And drag me to hell. I think it gets brought up a little bit more often than I've ever seen with this movie, but it's kind of like when people watch Ichi the Killer and miss all the humor. Absolutely, man. That's that's a great way of looking at it. And I think it's maybe, and I like it's it's speculation on a part, but I think there's enough. More people reading. catch it on Ichi because some of that shit is just outlandish. Right, but I think if you're paying more attention to like the visceral side of things, you know, the transgressive side of things, you're gonna lose. All of that because you're you're too transfixed on like the the body blows, if you will. It's like now you're missing all that other, you know, periphery shit. And that's the other thing. 
if a person only watches this movie once, I can see them getting hit more by those body blows because that's the initial like, oh my God, what am I hearing? What's he describing? He stabbed a fucking pig to death and oh God, now he's at least attempting to rape a corpse and like exactly it's like uh, yeah of, of uh, course that's going to exactly. get you exactly and, but and watch to be it fair, twice watch like it twice to be fair that was the the kind of takeaway my first time watching this film was like oh man this is like i can get where people are like oh this film makes me feel dirty for watching it and being a part of it but like i said let me give that second view let me give that third view and put a little bit more of that that technical eyeball on it yeah now you're like Okay, I've yeah, heard the stories. I, I let it wash over me. I've heard the stories. I've seen the visuals. Yeah. A lot of them are happening at the same time, so the second time view, let me put them together. I think that's probably why I like to hear opinions after the fact, as opposed to like going into it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to hear what other people have to say to try to influence how I'm viewing this film. Let me get my, my feeling the first time through, and then, you know, like said, second, third, whatever. That's more like, okay, how do I really feel about the film? Honestly, in some ways, okay, this is still kind of a fucked up movie. <laughs> okay, yeah. But it's almost a, another one of those good intro movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to deny that. It really is. Because when you're paying attention to the more arty farty side of this movie, it does give you things like the dog as an out. 100%. So that you can watch this and find ways to not if you're somebody that gets more emotionally affected by it, yeah. if you're paying attention to the little details, it gives you outs. I, I like that, man. I think that's a good point. Like, what, maybe one more? It's maybe not intro level. Maybe no. it's like sophomore level. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. that it's next like level. The 201 up. course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was thinking there's, there's a scene that kind of stands out a little bit with the dog analogy. Like, if you, if you want to be the dog, is where the dog is literally underneath the covers. And that's, to me, it's like, that's a response that people have when you're watching a horror film, when you're young mm-hmm. or just, you know, you cover yourself up and then you, you come back out the cover. <laughs> it's kind of like that a little bit. Yeah, it really is. Good movie. I think it's solid. I think it's a good way to get into this block because it's, it's not, like I said, a straightforward slasher. It's not a, you know, it's not a Henry, but it's a precursor to all that stuff. But uh, what's man, homie's name so again? Oh, uh, real name. Uh, actor? The, the actor, yeah, uh, yeah. Irwin later, uh, Irwin later. B- big ups to him. Man, Fucking kills it in this role. Dude, kills it. Like he elicits all all of what he's, you know, voicing over or narrating. Right, he, he's doing it to a T. And it, man, he does such a good job that you can get lost in the fact that he's an actor. Yeah, I mean that's how good he is in this role. Yeah, f- kills it like, through and through. Sister, not so much. She's not a bad actress, but me, nice. eh. Pretty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. Uh, but everybody else, like, you can tell. Like, mom, it's hard to tell because she has weird actions. Like, she just completely freezes up during the attack, yeah. which is somewhat realistic. Some people freeze in the face oh, of danger. Oh, yeah, and I, fucking deer in the headlights thing. I, I know fight or flight is what people is what people yeah. talk about, but like, freeze is an option. Oh, without a doubt, it's like yeah. It, that deer in the headlights look like I've seen it. I'm sure you have too with people mm-hmm. where, yeah, you freeze up. You don't know which action to take. Should I run? Should I? Nah, too late. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to but it's still weird because she's frozen in the center of that room just watching shit happen for like 45 seconds. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, uh, at least do make a noise. 
<laughs> do something shit. Nobody makes near enough noise when they're getting no, attacked. What I found the most, not really interesting, but... Sister, yell for somebody. The person who puts up the most fight is the homeboy in the wheelchair. He's trying to get up the stairs. Oh, that's right. I was like, he puts the most effort in, and he's the most illegitimate, quote-unquote, person in the group. What does that say? Sister's biting is completely ineffective. I, I almost thought she was trying to kiss him. Like, she has Stockholm Syndrome. That's what he says, too. <laughs> I mean, He's like, she's trying to get sweet on me, but it's not going to matter. <laughs> well, you know, like you were saying, he's an unreliable narrator in a sense because what you just said there, he's thinking that she did, but what we're seeing is probably not exactly what happened. Right. And like I said, I think this movie shows us reality because mm. that's funnier. Yes. 99% of the time. Right. But there's and that that's, 1% that's where like... they're tweaking it just that little bit to <laughs> yeah. get inside his head. Oh, man, that is so good. And like I said, once again, I, I really do hate it for that director, man, because he probably made too good of a film, and it was too layered though where people were missing some of those flavors, man. You know, it's like, maybe I need a second or third bowl of this to really mm-hmm. start digging into what this flavor is. And I was like, ah, oh, but, you know, what have you. Yeah, it's just a fun film, dude. It really is. Big ups to Cult Epics. I wanted to shout them out, mainly because they help with the Blu-ray release here for the States. Oh. That's a company also put out the copies of all those York Bootkright films that I have, that box set. Gotcha, yeah, so yeah. So they put out some you know, cinema like that, so big ups to them. Oh, yeah, that's killer. I don't think I have anything else on this one. Nah, like you already said, this is a good way to kick off the block. Next week. Oh, Tenebra. I almost forgot, man. Because I started thinking about other... I don't know why, man. I go down those little weird wormholes. I started thinking about Jessica Harper. And I was like, oh, yeah, because of Phantom of the Paradise. And then she was in Suspiria. Not to, oh, yeah, we're doing Tenebra. <laughs> yeah, Tenebra. <laughs> Dario Argento, oh, yeah. What's after that? Oh, Serial Mom, dude. That's, That's going to be right. fucking fun. John yeah. Waters. Yeah, Kathleen Turner. We get to talk about Matthew Lillard again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ricky Lake. It'll be fun. That's going to be a good time. Both of these are going to be a good time. I've never seen Tenebra, but I'm looking forward to it. Oh, man. Yeah, this is this is a fun block. So that's what's coming up. For this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Ride Squirms. Out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace. <laughs>